This is an Alert USA Threat Journal, Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, November 6th, 2021. This week in security news, on Wednesday of this week, Timothy Langan, Assistant Director of the FBI's Counterterrorism Division, testified before the House Intelligence Committee on agency efforts to counter domestic terrorism. The following is a clip of his opening statement. Today, I want to take an opportunity to highlight the FBI's investigative and analytical resources that are being used to combat this threat. First and foremost, the United States faces a complex threat landscape driven by a broad set of violent extremist ideologies. FBI investigations into domestic violent extremists, or DVEs, have more than doubled over the last year, and we're currently conducting approximately 2,700 investigations on domestic violent extremists. In the FBI's discussion of domestic terrorism threats, we use words violent extremism to define these threats because the underlying political or social positions and the advocacy of such beliefs are not prohibited by U.S. law. It is always important to remember the FBI cannot open an investigation based solely on First Amendment protected activity. As such, the FBI divides the domestic terrorism threat into five broad categories. One, racially or ethnically motivated extremism. Two, anti-government or anti-authority violent extremism, which has three subcategories. Militia violent extremism, anarchist violent extremism, and sovereign citizen violent extremism. Number three, animal rights and environmental environmental extremism. Four, abortion-related violent extremism. And finally, five, all other domestic threats, which consist of domestic violent extremists with blended or personalized extremist ideologies not otherwise defined under one of the previous categories I mentioned. We assess that racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists advocating for the superiority of the white race and anti-authority or anti-government violent extremists, specifically militia violent extremists, present the most lethal threats, with racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists most likely to conduct mass casualty attacks against civilians and militia violent extremists typically targeting law enforcement and government personnel and facilities. From 2010 through 2020, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists advocating for the spirit of the white race have committed 18 lethal attacks in the United States, killing 70 people, including those in Charleston, Charlottesville, Pittsburgh, and El Paso. They typically targeted large public gatherings and houses of worship. It is important to remember that preventing acts of terrorism is the FBI's number one priority. The greatest terrorism threat facing our homeland is that posed by lone actors in small cells who typically radicalize online, look to use easily accessible weapons to attack soft targets. We see this threat within both homegrown violent extremists or HVEs who are inspired primarily by foreign counterterrorists and domestic violent extremists. We want to assure the subcommittee and the American people that the FBI focuses its efforts on all threats of terrorism and continues to shift resources to remain commensurate with this ever-evolving threat. In conclusion, consistent with our mission, the FBI holds sacred the rights of individuals to peacefully exercise their First Amendment rights. Regardless of ideology, the FBI aggressively pursues those who seek to hijack legitimate First Amendment protected activity by engaging in violent criminal activity such as the destruction of property and violent assaults on law enforcement officers that we witnessed on January 6th and during the protests throughout the U.S. during the summer of 2020. The FBI will actively pursue the opening of investigations when an individual uses, threatens use of force, violence, or coercion in violation of federal law and in furtherance of social or political goals. 
Note that in this testimony, there was no mention made of the multi-year run of Antifa and BLM protests extending from the approach of the 2016 election and the not-my-president skyscreamers through to the 2020 election. Who can forget the attempted siege on the White House, the billions in damages in cities across the U.S., the rioting and removal of historic monuments in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHAZ, in Seattle, the nightly attacks on police departments in Portland and elsewhere, the regular attacks on immigration and customs enforcement facilities, and so on. In 2020 alone, at least 25 Americans were killed while participating in political demonstrations. Listeners are cautioned that there are many angry people in the U.S. of all races and political leanings. Add to this the renewed threat of attack by foreign terrorist organizations and those inspired by their ideology. Add to this the wide-open southern border, the arrest of dozens of individuals appearing on the terrorism watch list and no-fly list, and one can see that all the ingredients are present for a noisy future. Once again, Alert USA urges listeners to stay in touch with local events and maintain a high level of vigilance when out and about. Next up, in public health news, as of the time of this report's preparation Friday evening, Johns Hopkins University's Coronavirus Resource Center reports that there have been more than 752,000 deaths in the U.S. officially attributed to the SARS-CoV-2 virus. According to the CDC's COVID data tracker website, in the U.S. alone, more than 531 million doses of the various COVID-19 vaccines have been administered. As a regular follow-on, according to the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS, as of October 29th, more than 856,000 adverse events have been reported following COVID-19 vaccinations. More than 634,000 of these reports are from the U.S. and associated territories. For accuracy, it is important to remember that reporting on the VAERS system does not automatically indicate proof that the vaccine was responsible for the adverse event. However, Given the sheer number of adverse reactions being reported around the world, listeners are encouraged to do some investigation on your own before making such an important personal health decision. You can find links to the VAERS database along with key updated findings in the latest issue of the Threat Journal email newsletter. Listeners are reminded that across the U.S., vaccination deadlines have come due for police, fire, and other first responders. This is resulting in tens of thousands of first responders nationwide who have chosen to not get vaccinated, either quitting, taking early retirement, or being placed on unpaid leave. In New York City alone, more than 2,300 firefighters have been calling in sick in protest of the mandate. Some 9,000 other city workers were placed on unpaid leave for failing to get immunized, while another 12,000 unvaccinated workers were getting paid while officials assessed their claims for medical or religious exemptions. And this is just one city. The same is happening to doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals nationwide who have also chosen not to get vaccinated. In related news, on Thursday of this week, the White House issued a new edict addressing its convoluted vaccination policies. Perhaps the strangest aspect is the use of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, to enforce the mandates. OSHA lacks any legal authority to do so, and Congress has not placed vaccines within OSHA's purview. Congress created OSHA to promote workplace safety. OSHA inspectors look for hazards such as improperly stored chemicals, inadequately lighted or ventilated work areas, or lack of protective equipment. Vaccines against viruses are an entirely different form of protection. Congress has tasked the Department of Health and Human Services with determining the safety, efficacy, and appropriate use of vaccines. Congress has authorized the Food and Drug Administration to determine whether vaccines should be allowed in interstate commerce. It empowered the Centers for Disease Control to recommend who should receive such vaccines? Both the CDC and the FDA are components of Health and Human Services, 
OSHA resides in the Department of Labor. Congress has given neither OSHA nor the Labor Department authority over vaccines. Similarly, Congress has not given HHS the authority to impose a general vaccine mandate. If it had, the president would have directed HHS to tell employees to require workforces to be immunized. That didn't happen. Instead, an end run is being attempted. Just these points alone likely spell doom for the mandate once it reaches the higher courts. More than one dozen states have filed suit in federal court challenging the overreach of the mandate and its conflict with state laws, almost assuring a hearing by the Supremes. A complete legal review prepared by the Heritage Foundation can be found in this week's issue of the Threat Journal email newsletter. Also this week, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky signed off on the recommendation that children aged 5 to 11 years old also be vaccinated for COVID-19. Those listeners who are parents should be very leery and concerned with this decision. For a variety of infectious diseases, children respond differently than adults. In the 5 to 11 age group, COVID-19 is generally considered to be a self-limiting infection of the upper airway with only mild symptoms or no symptoms at all. Globally, childhood COVID-19 deaths in this age group are invariably due to serious pre-existing comorbidities. Next, children are not significant transmitters of the COVID-19 virus to adults or each other, further adding to the minimal role that children have played in the pandemic. Finally, there are currently 79 international high-quality peer-reviewed research papers demonstrating that recovering COVID-19 patients develop a natural, robust, cross-reactive, and long-lasting immunity superior to that of individuals given the Pfizer COVID-19 mRNA vaccine. So as to enable parents to quickly come up to speed on the actual science, this week's issue of the Threat Journal Newsletter contains a new paper written by one of the nation's top virologists, which provides the real facts on risks and limitations of these biologics. The paper is written in plain English, is well-cited, and should be required reading for any parent considering subjecting their children to any of the COVID-19 vaccines. In travel security news, listeners are once again reminded that a National Terrorism Advisory System bulletin is in effect, warning of the threat posed by domestic terrorists, individuals and groups engaged in grievance-based violence, and those inspired or motivated by foreign terrorists and other malign foreign influences. The Transportation Security Administration's mask mandate remains in effect for everyone, vaccinated or not, across all U.S. transport networks, including at airports, on commercial aircraft, buses, and rail systems through January 18th of 2022. This week, the Transportation Security Administration released new vaccination requirements for foreign nationals entering the United States. Per the directive, beginning November 8th, All non-U.S. citizens and non-U.S. immigrants entering the United States must be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 prior to travel. These travelers are also required to show proof of COVID-19 vaccination and a negative test taken no more than three days prior to the flight's departure. If you are planning travel abroad this holiday season, AlertUSA strongly recommends checking out the U.S. State Department's travel website as well as that of the CDC for safety, security, and health considerations about your destination as well as for the latest evolving international travel regulations. We also recommend that you take a few minutes to register your trip with the State Department's Smart Traveler Enrollment Program, so if something goes bad in the country you are visiting, that the U.S. Embassy knows that you are there. In addition to U.S. government travel guidance, AlertUSA also regularly recommends taking a few minutes to visit the equivalent websites of the Canadian, Australian, and British governments to see the travel guidance that those nations are providing to their citizens, as assessments of the situation on the ground can and do vary. You can find more on each of the stories in this report in the latest issue of the Threat Journal email newsletter. If you are not already a subscriber, simply visit ThreatJournal.com and sign up today. 
The publication is free, and a copy of this week's issue will be immediately sent to you via email. If you would like to receive breaking threat and incident alerts on your mobile device, visit alertsusa.com. AlertsUSA continues to monitor the overall domestic and international threat environment and will immediately notify service subscribers via SMS messages and email of new alerts, warnings and advisories, or any other factors which signal a change in the overall threat picture for American citizens as events warrant. This has been an AlertsUSA Threat Journal Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, November 6th, 2021.